Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Meaningful Learning Podcast with me, Dr. Samantha Cotrera. Many of you know that I started this podcast as a way to share my academic conference presentations with a wider audience. I also have a video series called Imagining a New We that's designed for K-12 teachers and helping them think about their practice and pedagogy in more meaningful, inclusive, and transformative ways. Just after the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic, I recorded a video for that series asking how we would teach history after this. I didn't have any answers. I still don't. But in asking the question, I was able to connect to a wide variety of people in the history and heritage field about whether their ideas of history have changed because of this moment, how they think teaching history will shift after this moment, and how notions of community, collaboration, and creativity, the imagining a new we that I named the video series after, may be developed or curtailed during and after this time. All of these videos are available on YouTube. You can search for my name to find the channel. But the conversations have been so rich that I wanted to provide another way for people to access them. This podcast episode and the rest in the Pandemic Pedagogy series is an unedited audio version of one of those video conversations. As an unedited version, you may hear buffering or a prompt to re-ask a question or even the inclusion of a cat. But the content and quality of the conversation remains the same. This video, originally posted on March 31st, is with Dr. Mary Chaxiris. Dr. Mary Chaxiris is a historian, educational developer, and online teaching resource expert. She and I talk about the importance of allowing our students to think about themselves as historical agents in this moment, as well as the moments in the past, and how they can use this knowledge to make change for a better future. Well, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. How is uh, social isolation going on your end? It's pretty, it's feeling pretty socially connected virtually uh, because I'm running three online courses. So my day is filled with Zoom meetings and um, it's all good. Virtual marking, all that kind of stuff. Um, even though like this isn't the main thing we're going to talk about, how have your students, how have your students been doing? with uh, the quick move to online? I think there's been a range of responses. Like overall, students are really um, patient, responsive, adaptive. They're all dealing with, you know, different circumstances, depending on, you know, whether they're international students, where they live, what their family responsibilities are, what the work responsibilities are. So I've taken it upon myself to think about my role as sort of just being, um, to provide students lots of choice with how to engage in my courses, but not necessarily a lot of um, requirements to do so. So students are invited to engage as much as they'd like, or as little as they'd like as they kind of cope with the changing circumstances around us. Yeah, it's interesting because I think like this blend of both like stability, like there's still going to be a class, but flexibility is important as we kind of navigate this. Um, and in my video that I posted last week, I had said like, how do we move forward in teaching history from here? And even just thinking about history for me has really shaped uh, like has really changed. So has your perspective of being a history professor, has that the idea of teaching history or um, like the notion of history itself, has that changed at all during this weird time? 
I think as a historian, the thing I'm really realizing is that, um, you know, there's that saying when you're in the weeds, you can't really see past them. And I think that's part of what the experience feels like right now in the rush of getting everything online and the rush of like coping with all the changes around us. I'm not sure how much more reflection I've actually like had to do, if that makes any sense, had space. Yeah, of course, to of course. Yeah. And, but I think that's part of what I'm, I think that's part of the feeling right now, like in teaching history more generally, whether we're like teaching it virtually during a pandemic or not, <laughs> is that sometimes we feel, <laughs> we feel so like crushed for time um, because of the approaches that we use. So it's like the tyranny of content, like being so tied to the number or the amount of content that you feel like you have to share with students and the ways in which you share that responsibility with students, like to what extent have you positioned yourself as the only person whose view matters? And to what extent have you been sharing that platform with students? And I think that when you've been sharing that platform with students, and what I mean by that is inviting them to reach their own conclusions and present their own ideas of what's meaningful to talk about within your course, then transitioning or flexibility is easier, right? But when you're tied to this idea of, I need to be lecturing to you two or three times a week, and if I don't do that, then you're not gonna learn what you need to learn, then that is, that is like harder, you know what I mean? So yeah, definitely. I don't know if it's changed the way that I teach history, but it's reminded me that we are all historical actors in our contemporary periods, and that we can't expect that to be any different, right? So just because you're in a history course, you're still a person living in the present and that those two things are always connected, right? Yeah, you know, I, I really love this notion of like thinking about that content because I think especially for history um, and history teachers and history professors, like there's just this, sometimes it's implicit, sometimes it's explicit, expectation that like we know everything and that we are there to like bestow the content. And while there is a big movement in K to 12 to move away from that, and there's certainly some discussions through professors as well, I think that there just is still this like, this big present that we need to like impart the content to students and that this is a moment where we can think more about like our learning outcomes right so you kind of talked about this a little bit already but maybe we could just pull out a couple things like how do you think starting in september or in the summer but let's say september when we've at least things have cool down in terms of our anxiety, even if we're still socially isolated, which seems terrifying. How do you think you would approach teaching a course? Would it be the same? Would it be different um, after this moment? So in my courses already, what I've tried to think a lot about is how we can acknowledge and value the thinking and learning that students bring into our classroom. So this idea of like, you know, I'm not the only person who knows anything about, let's say Canadian history, right? So how can we like design our courses and design our assessments so that students are actually invited to develop and create their own sense of meaning um, and perhaps like their own sense of self as a result, depending on what kinds of histories you're teaching, right? Um, so this is kind of where like I've been so inspired by your thinking like methodologically and theoretically oh, around this idea of um I know I'm I'm plugging you and I didn't even mean to but it's true <laughs> about this idea of like um 
who who is in um, the we, the national we that we talk about, right? If you're teaching nationally minded courses. And I think when you start to break that down, um, it's like, how do you share the content creation of your course with students, right? So how are you inviting them to engage and create narratives that are, that complement the perhaps a more central narrative in the course that maybe critique a central narrative in the course or bring attention to silences or absences in the stories that you're telling. So I think, I don't know if that answers your question. It's like, I think that that approach makes more sense in this context of what different people are calling different things in terms of the period in time that we're living through right now, right? Which is this like, I don't know, there's lots of like terms I've heard floating around. Like there's the idea of like the new normal and then um, the great online teaching experiment, like <laughs> pedagogy. Like I'm actually just, one of the things I'm really curious about is to see which of these terms like sticks, right? Like which is that, what, what is the historical period going to be like? But I think that what we could do a better job of, if, if I'm thinking about changes that we could make, is what we could do a better job of is trying to encourage students in all of our classrooms to view themselves as historical actors in the present. So like what is the historical context that you're you know, living through? What is the archive that you're keeping? Like sometimes I say to students, you know, what is an archive? Like your Facebook um, photos, are they an archive? Like your, like, you know, is your Instagram account an archive? Like what, what, what counts as an archive? And so I think if we can try to bridge those relationships between past and present more clearly, that might be helpful. Um, but part of that involves teachers, hip professors, being willing to share the spotlight, like mm -hmm. not shine that spotlight directly on them, to be at one time both a guide uh, on the side and a sage on the stage, they say, you know, like, can you be a coach to your students while also being a leader in terms of they do look to their educators for guidance, right? And clarification. And so how can you bridge that role so that if you can't be in lecture with students for three weeks, does that really impact their learning all that much? And I think if you're designing your course through like a more layered pedagogy that shares that spotlight, you'll find that if you if the lectures disappear, it might not actually impact the learning outcomes as much as you think. Yeah, I think I think that's really I mean there's there's so many things that you said there that were really great, but just to like pick up on that last point about like um you know, like sharing the stage with students. And I know, I know you, so I know that you are coming from a perspective of a history professor where um, this is really new or a challenge to a lot of your colleagues. Whereas um, the K to 12 teachers that I talk to, like that wouldn't be new to them necessarily. And I, I'm just gonna plug myself too, because when I talk about connection, complexity and care, um, like that's what I mean by care, because even though like a K to 12 teacher may already see themselves as a coach or a facilitator, I think that sometimes we can care about our students in ways that don't allow them to share the stage. Like even when we know that we should just be coaching them and facilitating them, we might care in ways that that, um, that we're just like, we need to make sure that they get that, that content. Um, and so a question that I always ask that I think that you, that would resonate with you as a history professor, um, working with other professors is like, what does it look like in our classroom to care about the content? What does it look like in our classroom to care about the profession? And what does it look like in our classrooms to care about the student? Because 
if we care about the content and the profession, then we are teaching. But if we are focusing on the student, then we can focus more on learning. Well, so I, I try to focus on like all those things at one time because right. why not multitask? Why not? Um, <laughs> why not? But I, what I really, so the thing I continue to learn and, and it shocks even me to say that I've been in post-secondary classrooms, not as a student for over 10 years, which is like kind of crazy, right? Whether that <laughs> most of that time I've been as an instructor leading my own courses, but then, you know, quite a few years as a TA as well, which gets me to see, like, I've seen lots of different approaches throughout this time. But what I have learned, and it's a constant challenge that I still grapple with, is this idea of like, it's always about this less is more approach. Like it's always yeah. less, less, yeah, less, so less. Like what I find is as I'm, as I continue to like become more and more experienced, like I said, I've already, you know, a decade plus, it's this idea of what I always find myself grappling with is um, I'm always trying to do too much. And so it's always about like, it's always about removing and refining rather than adding is what I, is what I find. Mm -hmm. So what I've started to challenge myself to do is think, <clears throat> okay, so for every course, what is like one central idea that I want students to walk away from knowing more about? And then I try to thread all of my content around that idea. Um, and then that can more clearly allow you to see what to drop and what to keep. So for example, in my Canadian history, modern survey courses, which um, they're temporally designed differently, either from like 1867 to present day or 1885 to present day. But the core idea that I designed that course around is that I want students to walk away knowing more about the idea that Canada is now and was always built out of conflict rather than consensus. So it's always all of our national symbols, all of the sort of governance structures that we take for granted today were born out of conflict rather than consensus, right? So that is a term that those are, that's a story that I tell throughout this time period. Like every single class answers that question to a certain extent in a different way, right? So to me, I care about students because I'm making a decision as the leader of that you know, course, the person who's developing it, what I think they need to learn in, in order to be successful in the other courses they're gonna take, right? How it contributes to the curriculum of the department more generally. I care about my profession because I want students to know the most up-to-date thinking on these different periods that we're talking about and how they can also enter into conversation with those thinkers through the assessments. So it's not just about consuming this knowledge and thinking, oh, well, the prof told me so, or I read about it in the reading, so it must be true or it must be right. And then um, what was the third one we cared about? I care about my profession, student. I care about my students. Well. Student. What else do I care about, Samantha? Discipline, discipline, content, and students. Well, so I think that that's how I weave together the three, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to show care to students and to my discipline. Right, right. No, that's really, that's really awesome. Um, one last question, if you have a second. So, so in this, this video series, it's imagining a new we to teach history in ways that are more meaningful, transformative, and inclusive for their students. And I was saying last week, like, not only are notions of transformative and meaningful, inclusive, look different now but so does the notion of imagining and so does the notion of we um could you maybe comment on that and like no pressure to have this like amazingly 
solid answer, but like any, any thoughts on what this new we looks like in this new we that we are in, or even like this notion of imagining when um, the way we're interacting with the world is so different these days. So I think if I can build off this idea of imagining, I think that one of the things that we can really learn from history, embracing all of its complications and difficult stories, and maybe even especially in those difficult stories, is this idea of like resilience, perseverance, and hope, right? And the amazing capacity of historical actors to make meaningful change in the spaces that they're in. So, you know, some of us have a big platform. Like sometimes we often like to talk about, you know, prime ministers and government officials and like people who we think are significant historical actors. But what history also tells us about is that there are important historical actors in everybody's home, like in, in your family, yeah. right? Yeah. And that reminds us that we are also actors in our present moments. So maybe we can't go out and change everything, right? But there's something that we can do today that might be able to enact meaningful change in the spheres where we have influence, right? So I think thinking about systems, thinking about stories, thinking about complexities in some ways can help with this imagining and reminding us that like, you know, yes, history, we need to learn from it. But one of the things I think we can learn is hope, right? And um, the importance of building relationships and of um, coming together and finding a way through very different points of view, which is pretty much like what I think the study of history is in a nutshell. And then the idea of imagining a new we, there is a great possibility that will come out of this period with a better understanding of our interconnectivity. Like that is the hope that I see, right? When I try to find a way to cope with our current world. And so I wonder if the new we will in some ways be us all. And by us all, I mean like the, everybody who's in your classroom. I don't know who the we is in that context, right? Entering into the future with more willingness to accept the uncertainty that defines not just our present, but also the past. Like I tell students all the time, think about how you're feeling, well, all the time in the last week, which feels like <laughs> two decades. Um, think about the uncertainty that surrounds us right now. We don't know what this is going to look like, right? We don't know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, exactly how things will unfold. But yet people are making decisions that have impacts, right? And it's the same thinking that applies to the past. So when you look at the past and you say, well, they should have known better. It's like, really? How could, how could they have known better, right? Should they have known better? Look, how can we learn from the present and also apply it to our understanding of the past? I think that's also like an interesting thing to think about. Mary, that's so wonderful. And that's such a wonderful way to end. Um, thank you so much. I love this notion of really focusing on imagining by, by like remembering our connectedness, remembering the we and that notion of resilience and hope and like the things that we can all do because we are all historical actors in, in uh, framing what this story is going to be about. So thank you so much. This was really great. And you know, I've been saying in all of these videos that when I posted about like, what are we gonna do after this? I just felt like, like 
you know, I had so many questions and in talking to everyone, it's been so wonderful to think about how important history is at this moment to be able to navigate our way through. So thank you so much for, for us spending the time today to talk with me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. No problem. So um, maybe we'll have a chance to talk about the digital humanities work, but like right now it was, we'll just say goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Pandemic Pedagogy series of the Meaningful Learning with Dr. Samantha Gutrera podcast. My first book, Transforming the Canadian History Classroom, Imagining a New We, will be available in the latter half of 2020. Order on Amazon or through your local bookseller today.